are you testing it or are we actually starting? Oh no, we're going, man. We're going. Ready. Oh. Can we start over? Uh, I mean, we can. Hold on. No, we don't have to. Let's just go. <laughs> I think people know by now it's just a big shit show. Well, welcome everybody to beer, bourbon, and balderdash. It's all kinds of balderdash. It is a lot of balderdash. <laughs> what, what nonsense. It is. It's a lot of nonsense. Uh, how's it going, Johnny? Uh, pretty good. Uh, I'm in, I'm in the PVD in mm-hmm. Providence, uh, back on the wrong coast. Yep. Uh, but but so far so good. Okay. Uh, because my wife came with me this time, which is really nice. Helen's here. Yeah, she's also great. helping us test this nonsense. She is. She's a good producer because she also loans me her husband for this podcast every week. So yeah, it's, it's sometimes the loaning is easier because she just needs me to stop bothering her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I get. I can pester. Yeah. I'm a bad. I'm a bad influence because she's like, I have work to do. I'm like, I do too. Let's have a drink. Yep. That's funny. Drink with me. How are, how are you? I'm doing I'm doing great. Yeah. Yep. I'm uh well, first of all, so let me get out my notes here because I got some people to thank. Um I want to first of all thank uh Trina and Tim and Max and Helen and all the people that as we're trying to figure out uh doing live streaming, uh which um also a couple of other Big shout outs to um, Metis, a Fun Fact Friday podcast and of the Metis pod. Um, he helped me with the Azura cast. So I was having problems with Azura cast. Uh, that's what we use uh, for our radio station. And then we use uh, a program called Butt to Stream. And uh, he helped me r- with the security issue and all had to do with redirecting DNS um, stuff with my domain. So we got that figured out. And uh, Sir Seat Sitter, I want to thank because not only has he had me on his podcast uh, recently, it's uh, Oklahoma City Bombing Part 2, um, but uh, he uh, uh, he's the one that brokered me meeting um, Midas. And Midas is a fantastic guy. Um, he's been podcasting, I think he said since 2013, so he's made all the mistakes. So he, um, he, was, he got on a call with me last night, um, the second call he's gone on with me, and uh, he said a lot of technical jargon um, where I think 50% of it went over my head, but the 50% that I retained and actually understood um, is going to help us in the future. And so now that we got this figured out, future. Yep, and a lot of great people have come alongside us to help us, including our listeners and producers um, yeah. whom I've already mentioned. Uh, I think I'm going to be able to talk to Sir Bemrose and then we'll get this connected to the no agenda stream, which streams, uh, 24 seven, all kinds of different shows. And, uh, we'll just be part of that. And then we'll go live there. And, uh, as soon as I, uh, create some, uh, some tags for our Zurichast radio station, I can get it to where, when I hit the live button, it'll go out to Twitter. It'll go out to Mastodon. It'll go out to a bunch of sh- social things. If people want to send me their emails, it'll email them that, Hey, we're going live in whatever time it is. Um, so we can make this, um, quite a big deal. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I think that'll help a lot. So I just yeah, wanted to fantastic. say thank you to all that, especially with like Metis, um, and Sir Seat Sitter, uh, you know, both of them have been podcasting for a long time. So the fact that they're able to, um, just help me with all this information, um, it's invaluable because it, it would cost me a lot to have, you know, someone, you know, actually charge me for all their time and they do it because they want us to be successful uh podcasting so mm-hmm. and i'm really happy about that that's that's how this kind of community should be so it's it's really awesome yeah for sure thanks everybody we really do appreciate it yeah and we want and, your feedback and, and i also really appreciate that there's so many people that are like they believe in what we're trying to do enough that they're willing to put like spend their time the one thing they can't get more of they're willing to spend it on us which is fantastic so thank you very much we yeah. really appreciate that yeah. And as much as we would like uh, donations, um, time is great. Talent is great. Um, and, of course, feedback. feedback. Uh, we, we do want to make this something where there is a bit of a feedback loop. So uh, thank you, Trina and Tim, for being on the um, on the chat tonight. Uh, thanks, Max, for texting and, and making sure that, I, uh, that uh, the echo is gone as well. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. 
and uh, hopefully we can get a lot more people listening and giving us live feedback as we as we go on. So I'm pretty excited about this whole thing. I do want to give a special shout out to Adam Nonis um, for episode 60. He filled in for John while he was up in the cabin building his um, workshop, which I'm a little jealous of. I mean, I have a workshop, but I'm a little jealous that you. It's not on a mountain and it doesn't have a shower. Exactly. Yeah, but you know and ours ours only has one of those two things yeah <laughs> yeah it's and got it's a great view it's got a great view <laughs> it does have a great view yeah and so uh yeah so I was, i'm a little a little jealous about that tell me tell me a little bit about it how to go uh it was really good actually it's like one of those one of those weeks where you like you realize like helen and i are really good partners and mm-hmm. i really enjoyed just working side by side with her we work really well together and um like it evolve it's evolving into something differentness not completely different but different than what we planned um we both level set each other really well because i'm like super optimistic and like, we'll have the whole thing built in two days and helen's like well if we get the floor done that'll be good <laughs> <laughs> so so we got somewhere in between That's closer good. to her real her reality view than mine but yeah. still we got more done than she expected and less than i expected which it's just fine. So we had a good time. We got some rain delays, which is unexpected out in Schland. It doesn't rain that much out there. Uh, but it's going to be really great. And then what will be really great about having it is that it'll allow us to have more people out uh, more comfortably. Yeah, we should so do like, like a little Lollapalooza, but for listeners yeah. here in Bourbon and Baldinges. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Wouldn't that be That's fun? That's a good idea. I yeah, like a, like a dirt pile meetup. Yeah. yeah. It's dusty. <laughs> dirt pile meetup. <laughs> that's what we're going to call it the dirt pile meetup <laughs> dirt pile meetup that's good uh just as far as analytics for um our podcast by the way episode 59 get a job uh where we learned john would have been a very good lawyer he still can be and i would be uh, an excellent fashion designer uh that was a whopping 2895 listeners yeah what happened i don't know fabricating adam uh, which was uh, episode sixty was seven hundred eight listeners, and then uh, and this that's is pretty good. This is just for the month of May. That's pretty. That's or, pretty no, good. this is since May twenty second. Yeah, it's over seven hundred. That's I mean we've never. I think the biggest one was like not even four hundred. So that's fantastic. Yep, and that was the uh, drinks with the chatbot, and then uh, yep. f- episode fifty eight cheers uh, was one hundred forty two uh, listen. So thank you all for cheers for listening. Yeah, thank you. Moving in the right direction. And Fountain and to... Fountain.fm uh, promoted our our podcast for a little while too, so that was nice. On purpose? Or was it like a glitch? No, it was like as a as a new uh as a new podcast, as a you know, one to listen yeah. to. Interesting. So it was cool. Let's keep that rolling. I really want to know what people actually thought. Like, are these one and done people and are like, look at these two chunky monkeys just drinking away? And well, they can't see us, and they don't know we're chunky. I think they assume only only my, the only the people that are listening currently know that. <laughs> I I believe I have the voice of a fat kid. No, no. I think if no one's ever known you, they wouldn't have guessed fat kid or an angel. What does a fat like, person sound like? He definitely honestly. does crop. Well, I mean, the fact that you about I talk about eating a lot of cheese. Yeah, and we do, beer. We talk about fat kid food. and and uh, I call myself a fat kid a lot. So I just I think people just think I'm like the the fat little rascal. No, you're not. I'm okay with that. He's a little rascal. I'm a little rascally. Yeah, you're a little rascal. I'm okay with that. That's yeah. fine by me. I just, I don't know what a, a, a fat person would sound like. They all sound normal to me. You wouldn't know. That's that's true. Let's say they have food in their mouth, and they're just always like, but yeah. I mean, actually, it's a good point you make, because like the voice of Wild Bill in um, Silence of the Lambs, the way he talks. Oh, yeah. If I heard him, not saw it, yeah. didn't see him, I would think he was a... <laughs> she a great big fat person i would think he was a a, a big guy yeah. a big fella yeah a big fella but you're right you can't judge put the lotion on the skin or you get the hose again, the hose again. <laughs> that's creepy that's so weird well here we go let's we need put the lotion on the skin or you get the hose again that's that's a little more devilish yeah maybe more like a yeti Oh, nice. Not John, what are we drinking tonight for the beer? Yetis don't talk. Otherwise, they tell us where they live. No, they talk. They just don't talk to us. No. Why not? Because we're dumb. Because we're jerks. <laughs> I mean, Harry started to learn words. <laughs> yeah, he did. So, I don't know. Anyway, 
So t- tonight on our beer <laughs> list, coming right out of the great state of Colorado. Colorado. From Great Divide Brewing is Yeti Imperial Stout. Mm. I There's a, there's a good chance that I've had this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and don't remember. It's 9.5%. Yeah. Uh, it's and it's beer. actually looking... Oh, let's see. They say, great minds drink alike. Like that. Uh, and apparently, I was looking at the about on their website. I've, never, I've had their beers before, but I've never really looked at anything. They have four locations. And the guy actually started the brewery after he spent years building farms on, in, in developing countries. Oh. Like doing good things. Yeah. And he came back to Colorado, went to grad school, has a passion for beer, eventually saw the need for good beer, uh, made the business plan, people invested. And the first one was in Denver's ballpark neighborhood. And uh, it's a great big brewery now. So uh, it seems like a good dude. So I like that. That's good times. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, let's pop this open. It's still an independent Brewers Association craft beer. Give this a oh. little pop. Oh, that's a nice sound. It sounded great. Who needs who needs whiskey when you have a nine and a half percent beer? Yeah, I know. Whew. You can You're smell welcome. it right away. I'm gonna split mine with Helen because I told her what we were having. She says that sounds like something I would like. Yes, that does sound like something yes, I would like. Absolutely. And you had a directive not that long ago that said less IPAs. Less super IBU IPAs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, this is not a super IBU IPA. That's good. So, but it is super dark. Yeah, I can already smell it, man. Like, like the bubble the, that's coming out of the top of the can is like black as night. I got the sunshine shining through my window and I can't see through it. This is like <laughs> yeah, tar black. That's awesome. It's got a really dark chocolatey, thick creamy head, which is fantastic. Thick creamy head. Should we look up what it's supposed to be about, or should we drink first? Uh, let's drink, and then while I'm continuing to drink, you can talk. Okay, let me see if I can find something about this. Well, prost. Prost. Mm. That, that is, is a lot more. It's a lot more bitter than I would have expected. Yeah, but it's big. Mm-hmm. That's a mouthful. Oh, this Oof. must be one of their flagships because it's like first on the list of their beers. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty good, man. But it's um, it's, it is bittery. A lot of coffee. Yeah, a lot of coffee on this a one. A little bit of chocolate. Let's see what they say. Uh, I, I like the chocolatey stout. ones more. Yeah, I like the chocolate. A little, little almost sweet. This is like not sweet yeah. at all. Uh, Yeti Imperial Stout is an onslaught of the senses. It, um, excuse me. <laughs> Oh, it starts with big roasty malt. That's it, roasty. That's the flavor that we're getting. It gives away to rich caramel and toffee notes. It gets its bold hop character from an enormous quantity of American hops. And it weighs in at a hefty 75 IBUs. Oh, yeah. That's, there he that's is. a lot. That's a lot. That's, that is a lot. Yeah. But in a beer this big, it balances better than like if you had 75 IBUs in a beer that was like 5%. Yeah. That's a really big, bitter beer. No, this is bitter. It's lingering too. It's got it the is. linger. Oh. So that's a lingering one. I can mm-hmm. choke this one down just because of the coffee or coffee taste, the chocolatey taste. So. Yeah, I, I don't. I wish it was a little more balanced, like had a little more of the malt flavor. Yeah, me it. too. Like yep. if it had a little bit of sweetness, they would like make the IBUs not feel so, so strong. Yeah. I get why people like it, though. I mean, it's just <laughs> like drinking an alcoholic cup of coffee yeah. with a sprinkling of hot flowers. Yeah. The um, I was just thinking because we were talking about uh before if Yetis could talk. Have you been hearing about the orcas? Talking or eating deer? The the orcas eating deer. Yeah, you don't know about this. No, I don't know. I but do you know about the orcas attacking yachts? I did not know that. Oh, like in the movie Orca. Is that a movie? Yeah, there's. I don't know any of these things. So apparently, there's uh these this pod of orcas. First, it was a female who got hit by a boat and it angered her. So she started hitting uh, the boat and she put a big hole in the, in the, the boat and destroyed its rudder. And then it started teaching the other uh, orcas in the pod to attack boats. And now I think it's in Australia. They're attacking boats. Oh yeah. Where they're destroying the rudders and putting holes in the holes in the holes. 
Holes in the holes. Holes in the holes. Holes in the holes. But there was an orca that ate a deer. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm still trying to get wrap my head around this, like, boat attacking orcas. They're real smart, but, like, trying to take out a boat? That doesn't seem real smart. Yeah. Um. Yes. So I think the first story that I read was in, like, a kayaking magazine or something that makes me sound sporty. And uh, outdoor, yeah. So like, <laughs> I outdoors things. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, I got a note from Helen. It said the chat wasn't working. It seems to be working now. There yeah, it is. It'll kick you We're out there. if you're inactive first. Yeah, long. It, it needed, yeah. Okay. There you go. So get active. Get active. You got to get physical. Get physical. Uh, oh, <laughs> so the so the guy was like, get physical. I, I think he started the story like he was an active um, kayaker out in the in the Puget Sound. Yeah. And he often wondered, like, how do deer get to these islands that are so isolated? Because there's deer all over him. Yeah. And one day he was out kayaking and there was a deer swimming in the sound, like between islands. The deer swim island to island. And as he's sitting there watching it, out of nowhere, an orca comes up and swallows it. <laughs> and just oh, my gosh. Deer that was swimming. It was like. He said it made him think twice about wanting to <laughs> kayak in the Puget Sound. Well, it's almost like, you know, they're they're one of those animals that when you look at, they're so beautiful and they're, you know, you, you think they're cute. And then they're just terrifying. Like the yes. the the video of the uh, uh, sea lion or the seal that's in the middle of a giant iceberg or a big, big mm-hmm. thing of ice. And I think it was on Blue Planet or something like that. And all the orcas are trying to get to it. And their heads are popping out around the edges of this iceberg um, or giant piece of ice that the seal's on. And then they decide to go swim underneath it. And while they're swimming underneath it, they're banging up against the ice and they're crushing it so that oh, it's breaking it up like around a, the like seal. Yeah, but they are coordinated. They coordinated mm-hmm. the whole effort to That's get nice. this seal. They're very smart. Pack, they're pack hunters. By the way, Helen has confirmed through the chat that I've had this beer before. Yeah. Yes. Yes, um, Trina. Thank you. Also, they are called killer whales because they hunt and kill whales. Thank you. That's very good. It's true. Thanks. Nice, nice uh, fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> fun fact. Oh, my gosh. Why did you turn off? <laughs> <laughs> Is that scary? Let's talk about the whiskey tonight. It kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So tonight, um, for a while... I was a Whiskey Tribe member. Um, it has lots of great benefits. The only reason why I canceled it is because I wasn't, I don't think I was buying enough um, and I didn't want to keep buying more whiskey. You don't have to buy whiskey to join. You just support the thing through, uh, support them through Patreon. Um, and I was trying to do a value for value thing, but I'm, I'm kind of spread out in a lot of my donations. Anyways, if you have the uh, cash, um, you can be a knight of... Uh, of the whiskey tribe, um, which I was. And during that time I got, uh, able to get some releases of theirs. And what they do is that they don't actually at the moment, um, release anything that they distill. I think if I remember correctly, but they do get barrels from other, from like MPG and Indiana, and then they blend it themselves, which is an art on its own. Blending mm-hmm. whiskey is, is, is a great art because they have to go there. They have to taste the barrels, then they have to decide if they would go well together, and then they have to blend them, and then sometimes they'll age them a little longer after they're blended. There was a speaking of that. There was there was a um, <laughs> this is going to sound kind of douchey, but uh, you ever get those like airline miles, mags for miles things? Yes. Like yeah, I got I got cigar aficionado <laughs> a little bit, and uh, there was an article in it about whiskey, and it was like the the unblended whiskey is like the biggest scam of all time. Oh, okay, so like they've, they've marketed it in a way that makes it sound better, but the art of blending whiskey to make something better out of two things that are less. Yeah. It's huge. It's very, it's very, takes a lot of skill, but like the marketing convinced people that unblended whiskey was always better. Yeah. It, but the reality is it's just cheaper to produce because you don't have the process of blending and there's like no waste. You just put it all in a bottle. And so a single, like, so like, a single barrel is a scam. Well, the way they marketed it was a bit of a scam mm. because it's, it, it was marketed to, so they could jack the price up. Okay. Not that it was any more expensive. Yeah. So then it, like, it's kind of like 
Kind of like when uh, in Sideways, uh, Paul Giamatti said, I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot. It, <laughs> oh, it yeah. means nothing. It's like irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, yes, both can be good, but they tried to market it in a way that made one seem puffed up and better than the other. Like, I did it right the first time. That's funny. But blended whiskeys are delicious. Yeah, blended Sorry. whiskeys are delicious. I Sorry about that. that sideways. No, it's great. It's good. I, love, I like that movie. It's good. So anyways, what we're drinking tonight is from Crowded Barrel Whiskey Company. Crowded uh, Barrel. Yep, this is the Whiskey Tribe guy or the Whiskey Vault guys, Daniel and Rex. Um, they're very funny. I love watching uh, Whiskey Tribe on YouTube every Saturday. They have new yep. episodes. They are great. Uh, this is Eleanor Batch 4. It's a two-barrel blend. Um, it's uh, It's been aged for 38 months. It's 120 proof, so that's 60% ABV. Uh, the distillers are MGP in Indiana, and uh, the cooperage is Kelvin. The Kelvin cooperage is where the barrel's from. So um, on the back of the bottle, it says, we begin with the story of Eleanor. And like Valentine's love, this story never ends. Each batch of Eleanor will be a unique expression of the same Indiana-sourced bourbon mash bill of 75% corn, 21% rye, and 4% malted barley. The barrels arrive in Texas and rest here before being finished, blended, or released. The chapters may be complete, but the spirit of Eleanor is not. And so this is batch number four. Beautiful bottle. Uh, Barrel type is used rumble. I don't know what that means. But anyways, so uh, a sniffy sniff. Oh, I get uh, I get herbally. Oh, I didn't pour mine as soon as you did. I just poured it, and there's a lot of alcohol coming off the top. Yeah, of well, 60 percent. Yeah, I get a lot of citrus. Mm-hmm. Citrus and and herb, herbally. You know what it smells like? It huh. smells like that uh, that citrus <clears throat> varnish remover. Oh yeah, the orange like the one. Co- yeah, the orange one. Yeah, not as orangey as that, like subtle, but it, but that it yeah. does. I think that stuff has alcohol in it too. Yeah. Not in a bad way. I actually love that smell. I'm not saying that as a negative. Like, zesty. I love that smell. Zesty. Yes. Zesty. All right. Well, cheers, my friend. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Hmm. Right up through the nose. That is hot. Oh, but it's so good. Oh, and it has that like kind of new oak flavor on the at the end. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, very effervescent, like just right into the nostrils. I'm gonna put a couple drops of water, but really right off the bat, the what I smelt on the nose, I taste. Mm-hmm. So I taste the zest. I taste a little bit of chocolate. I taste some some herbaliness. <clears throat> um, so that's good. So Trina wants to know what kind of herbs. Uh, I guess, um. I don't know. It almost smells like like dried basil. <laughs> yeah. Minty too. Yeah, minty. I'd say minty. Minty kind of herbs. Kind of smoke. All right. Not really. That's a different herb. It definitely <laughs> does not smell like that herb. Herb. It's a different herb. All right. So I put a couple drops in it. Let's see if it, it opens it, it smells, up a bit. It smells a little like um like an Italian seasoning mix. Oh. That is very herbally an Italian seasoning mix. Yeah, but it's like that that blend. It's like <clears throat> it's a combination of like basil. Uh I get the mint. I think that comes from the effervescence uh from the alcohol burning off, but like what else would be in that? Oregano. Yep. I don't know. That's what I get. And I like it. Mm. it smells good. It smells like a pizza. Oh, maybe that could be Helen's cooking. Yeah, that might be. What is she cooking tonight? Uh, she's always cooking. Oh, yeah. No joke, man. You missed a joke. There was a joke there. Well, I was too busy drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that because she's always hot, so she's always cooking. Something well, it like was that. implied. I didn't think I needed to like take it a step further. Well, no, you did. I can't believe you don't ever waste those. Oh, you're losing your touch, man. You're always putting me to shame because you always got that. You're quick. 
quick on. Well, that. Helen, made, Helen made me prep for the podcast by having a happy hour beer. Oh, oh, so you were one beer in, and that's just taking kiltering you. Yeah, sure. We'll call it one beer. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> but it was beautiful. It's sunny out. We went to. We actually did. We we uh, uh, met up on my way home from the train at Revival Brewing, which is where Night Swimmer came from. Yep. Um, and I had a night swimmer, but that's a session. It's like a Belgian session. So we've had that. Light. We had that. Yeah, we've, we've had that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe an IPA was the first one. Helen ordered it for me before I got there because she is the best. Well, I put a couple drops of water in mine. Uh, so water helps kind of proof things down. So if something is a bit too hot, um, mm-hmm. hot in the sense of, you know, it's burning in my mouth. Um, it'll take that ABV down a little bit. Plus, it also frees some of the aromas and flavors um, that are in the uh, bourbon as well. So mm-hmm. uh, if there's, uh, they're esters, they're called esters. Um, mm-hmm. And so by doing that, you're kind of breaking up the oils in there mm-hmm. using uh, water as a solution. It splits open the ethanol, splits open the ethanol molecules and... Um, and so you're able you to just, get more into your nose. Are you just using straight up water or are you not tap water you're using filtered water? Yeah. Well, cause I use, water? I use spring water. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I use spring I'd like water. to point out Helen, Helen came over and wanted to smell mm-hmm. you know, this whiskey and this is probably not the one she should have done it on. Oh yeah. Cause it's 60 proof. Yep. <laughs> like you're really hot and she doesn't really like them all that much to begin with. So all she got was burning. <laughs> Poor Helen. Should have Helen. Not not now. This is not the one to do this on. Yeah, exactly. Well, last Sunday, um, Adam, who was on episode six, came over and he uh provided me uh well you you stopped by, um, Mm -hmm. but some hot sauces. And uh because I told him I'm not great with hot sauces, and Mm -hmm. he picked out some really, really good ones, left me with a couple bottles, which I'm very, very thankful for. That was nice, man. And uh even the last dab. So if anyone's a fan of hot ones, he left the last dab and I was able to uh, hang on uh, to my mouth and uh, mm-hmm. my, my taste buds after that. So it wasn't that bad. It was actually pretty, pretty nice. And um, he, he did a good job since he knows, he knows his hot sauces. Um, he yes. he kind of was able to figure out someone that doesn't do well with a lot of hot foods that this would be the best. So he did a good job. So thank you, Adam, for that again. Uh, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about tonight, Johnny, um, yes. I was just kind of farting around with uh, like topic ideas. And mm-hmm. I was thinking like uh, old timey words. Old timey words. And, like uh, words. Yeah, well, especially those about drinking uh, in particular. <clears throat> and so um, so I looked up a bunch. Um, I'm going to run few uh, through a few. And uh, did you get that email I sent you that? Uh, had it like a script? Uh, yes. Do you, can you pull that up? Because we should go through the script. I think it would be fun to act it out. We're going to act it out for our audience. Uh, old-timey drinking words and scripts. Okay. Oh, we're supposed to talk this together. Yeah, it's person A and person B, but we'll get to that here in a moment. We can decide queef? who we're going to do. That's a different thing. Oh, quaff. Never mind. Quaff. Yeah, not queef. That's different. All right. Let's do it. Uh, So a swig is a hearty gulp. Or a swallow of a beverage. Most people know that. Take a swig of this. Yeah, that's. Insane. I mean, I guess it has roots in old timiness, but yeah. Uh, well, tipple. You ever heard of tipple? Mm, I have heard it. Yes. Tipple is to consume alcohol in small quantities. So I'm having a tipple of whiskey, which sounds much more effeminate than <laughs> I think it means to be. You know what a tipple is? A lie. People don't do that. Tipple? Yeah. No, I'm people just, don't I'm do just that. a little bit. No, that's yeah. something you say when you want people to believe you're having just a little bit. Also, it's worse than a nipple. I prefer nipples over tipples. Yeah. 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 I would agree with that. Okay, that's good. fair. Okay, good. We're on the same page on that one. Yeah. Uh yeah. So yes, I would rather have a I'd rather have a, a tipple. A nipple. Yeah. I'd rather have a nipple. I like nipples. Nipples. Why can't you have both? How about a little tipple with a nipple? <laughs> I could put a little tipple on a nipple, and that's that'd be really good. Uh, imbibe. We're like so close to a a, a Dr. Seuss book for adults. Would you like a tipple of a nipple? Said the pipple. Uh, you took it too far. You okay. just ruined it. Okay. 
Uh, imbibe is to drink or consume. Uh, what's what's another one here? I got some other ones. Blitzed. Yeah. These aren't really, I don't, I mean, I guess, okay, so I do like this because it, like, talks about where it came from, but it's, like, libation. Mm -hmm. People say that. Chug. Okay. That's not very that stewed. Stewed. Like that one. You know, actually, unrelated to, to drinking, stewed, there's there's a moment in a movie that's one of my favorite mo moments of all time. It says stewed, but it has nothing to do with drinking. Do you, do you remember uh, Weird Science? Yes. I love that movie. When when Chet walks in and goes, you're stewed, but what? Yeah. <laughs> but he's wearing like ladies' panties. Yep. Or something weird. Nice panties. <laughs> the whole thing's weird. It's a great movie. I like that under the weather is a drinking term. I didn't realize that. When yeah. did the sick people take that over? Slightly intoxicated or feeling the effects of alcohol. He's slightly under the weather today. Mm. That's when you call up work and you say, hey, I'm, I'm slightly under the weather today, boss. I can't come in. And somebody who's in the know is like, you're drinking already? <laughs> See, this doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, tanked. We all like tanked and plastered. Mm -hmm. Sloshed. Sloshed. Yep. Or three sheets to the wind. I think three sheets to the wind is a good one. Pickled is one of my favorites. Yep. Pickled. Yep. You're, you're preserving your liver. That's all. We're just preserving our liver. Mm. Here's one on here I don't know. Zazzled. Zazzled. That's a good one. Oh, that sounds fun though. Yep. Uh, tie one on, have a few pops. Uh, throw one back, wet your whistle. <laughs> raising a glass. Uh, who's an old timey word? Yeah. Yep. I don't know. Okay. Sip on the sauce. So let's do the. Uh, let's do one of the scripts here. That'll be fun. Okay. Let's see. Do you want to be one? Uh, the one that says, sure, here's an example of a conversation about yes. beer and bourbon. Yeah. Yep. And and, and by the way, these these scripts come from ChatGPT. <laughs> I asked oh, okay. it to do uh to write me out a script using uh uh 1920 slang about drinking oh, beer and bourbon. Well, here we go. Say old chap, care to wet your whistle with some suds? Absolutely, my friend. I could go for a cold one. Pass me some giggle water, will ya? <laughs> here you go, a real ducky brew. <laughs> Now, how about some fire water to spice things up? Ah, you mean that gut warmer? The bourbon delight? Fill her up, barkeep. You bet. Let's raise a glass to the bee's knees and enjoy the hooch. Cheers, pal. This giggle juice hits the spot. It's a cat's meow. Ain't that the truth? Nothing like a mug of suds and a nip of bourbon to chase away the blues. You said it. These giggle waters really put a shine on the evening. Here's to the speakeasy spirit. That's I good stuff. guarantee nobody's <clears throat> ever had that conversation. <laughs> well, like, we need to start using these words, pal. It's just it's like it's like a string of nonsense all together that like chat's like, these are all the things they say. How do I put it in the most condensed form possible? Yep. Yep. Nailed all of the things. If somebody was playing <laughs> weird drinking words bingo, they would have just like got a blackout. Well, this is uh I mean, this is like would be balderdash where you get a word. And you have to guess what the meaning of the word is. And then the person who comes up with the closest to the meaning of the word wins. That was the game Balderdash, if you remember that. I do. I do appreciate that <clears> it <throat> put in some like random other timey uh, phrases like bees knees. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's do the second one. I'll start as person A. All right, let's do it. Okay. Uh, hey there, old sport. How's the evening treating you? Oh, swell. But I must admit, I'm feeling a bit zazzled. Ha! Looks like you tied one on, didn't you? Care for another belt? Oh, I don't mind if I do. Let's grab a snort to keep the party going. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get ourselves some bootleg and get Jakey. Bootleg it is. We'll be as tight as a dick in no time. Hey, uh, bartender, uh, two more shots of, the, shots of that panther sweat, please. Bottoms up. Here's to being a jolly as a jelly bean. Cheers, pal. This giggled you sure puts a feather in your cap. Ain't that the truth? We're having a regular hotsy totsy time. Indeed. Let's make this juice join our own little gin mill. Those are great <laughs> words. Mean? I love that. Let's make this juice joint our own little gin mill. Yep. That's pretty good. That's great. Thank you, AI. AI can write some pretty entertaining scripts. Yeah. Tim's a big fan of the, of the term zazzled. Zazzled. Yeah, like we're going to go get that's... zazzled tonight. Are you already zazzled? 
I am not. Sounds like you are, though, after mm-hmm. your one quote unquote beers tonight. I did it responsibly with yeah. my wife. Yeah. 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 Well, so it might be. I mean, it actually probably was a bad choice between like this 60 proof whiskey and a nine and a half percent beer. Mm-hmm. But like, mm. not probably not the, the best time to, to pregame. Yeah. But I don't regret one bit of it. I had a great time. Yep. You know, the water opened it up, but it's still, it's very peppery. It's very peppery. Kind of opened up some pepper. Pepper. There's a little bit of a a sweetness on the nose now that the alcohol, the initial alcohol burn is kind of released. Yeah. Like that vanilla, that vanilla flavor that sometimes shows up. It's nice. I'd say it's nice. I wouldn't say it's my favorite. They have a couple other ones that I have that um, I think I gave you. And um, it probably, I bet it's. I bet if they proofed it down a little, it would be better. Yeah, I don't know what their thinking was for the the higher proof. Um, I mean, they they know more than I do as yeah, far as sure. distilling, so they have a well, plan. Well, they also might like it. It's like you yeah. know, we were talking about big IPAs that are super bitter, and people like that. There are people that like that. Yeah. So maybe it just wasn't designed for our palates. Yeah, that's true. It's probably not designed for our palates. That's probably true. Probably not. So when I was looking up these old timey words, it started making me think of uh, why I why I find them funny. First of all, it's the slang terms are awesome, and of course, you and I both mm-hmm. immediately did some character of a movie that we once saw where they talk like, mm-hmm. "Hey there, pal!" You know, like everyone walked around like, "Hey, who, who's got the who's got the latest news on the whatever?" Mm-hmm. I can't even do it anymore. Do you do you know about that voice? No, like, tell me about that voice. Like that's not how people talked. What? That was a voice that was that was a voice that was created for movies. Oh, like that's yeah. that wasn't like the way that people actually talked in the time. Um, it was like a a cinematic uh, sort of representation or adjustment to to make it seem fancy. It was like not the like people oh, talked very much yeah. like the way we do. They use different words, but they weren't like, yeah, see, we're gonna go do the thing and see, and I just yeah. got dazzled. See, and I mean, they maybe said a little bit like that, but it wasn't, it wasn't as exaggerated as the movies made it seem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe there's a guy out there that sounded like that. And they're like, that guy's a character. Let's make him. Let's let uh, let's talk like that guy. Can you imagine everybody walking around like? talking like bugsy like yeah i'm gonna go get you and you're gonna get your mother let's get sauce yeah well that's what i that's kind of what i what i meant by that is just that we have this caricature in our head of of how that kind of person is supposed to to talk and we get that probably from some you know uh movies that we watched as kids and so part of it too is like if you think about the recording like it took off the highs and lows and so all you got was this like sort of tinny high-pitched sound yeah you know like like just the nature of technology made voices sound different than they do now yeah yeah well so it got me so the the my thinking led me down a path of uh thinking about nostalgic things uh as we're talking about old-timey stuff and and i started thinking about nostalgic things and so you know it went from uh this would be kind of funny to like, what are the most nostalgic songs ever? Uh, it, and so uh, I'll just play I'll just play a little bit of, of this one and, and we'll see. Because we'll I think. can't fight this feeling. I mean, just the beginning. I'm like taken back. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's one of oh, the yeah. most nostalgic songs um, that's ever that a lot of people say is is very nostalgic to them. Interesting. Uh, of course. Do you have a connection to that song that you like? You remember? Like, I know the song, uh, but I don't really have a major connection to it. I just like it. Um, I mean, I I go back to childhood. Nothing specific, and I know nostalgia is usually something is connected to, um, like a memory, mm-hmm. is why it makes it nostalgic. But just in general, um. Dana has like some old VHS tapes that she would record like Saturday morning cartoons on when she was a little mm-hmm. kid and stuff. And when we had a VCR, we'd pop those in and we just like, Oh my gosh. Like it did like the whole VCR, like thing as it, as it started to, you know, get the film cleaned, I guess, or mm-hmm. whatever. And it would be like family ties. 
and we're like, oh, and then all the commercials in between. And I, I felt like I was sitting in the living room of my parents' house, like all over again, watching these television shows. Here's another one that uh, people thought uh, was one of the most nostalgic songs of all times. Yesterday. Oh, yeah. Feel like all my troubles seem so far away. And and really, it's it's because he's talking about also yesterday. Yeah. So it it already it's a it's a song about mm-hmm. nostalgia as well. Yeah. So nostalgia and, and love lost. Have you seen that movie yesterday? Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, great movie. It was, it was a good inter- it was a good interpretation of of uh, of a parallel universe where the <laughs> of the Beatles. It was pretty good. Um, and then uh, here's another one. Uh, this takes me back to when I got my uh, wisdom teeth taken out when I was when I was younger. Hold on here. Good song. It's a very good song. Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you gotta do. Uh. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. Do you know why? Such a good song. Do you know, do you know why people get nostalgic about songs? Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heartache. There's a, the, the science behind it is um, your brain is really good at, at connecting senses. Mm -hmm. And with music specifically, it starts to trigger all of your other senses, specifically your visual memories and your visual cortex. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's called neural imaging Mm. where it starts to connect the dots between the two. And that's why you become so nostalgic to it because it associates the music with some visual memory that's bigger than just a regular visual memory. So it, it, it's starting to like activate different parts of your brain. Sure. And so every time you hear it, you get a dopamine hit. Yeah. So it's like doing a drug. Every time you hear that song, you've connected with this memory that is really good. Yeah. So you want to hear it more and more and more. Yeah. And it does. I do get a dopamine hit, but just listening to what we just listened to. Yeah. Right. You kind of get a little bit of the feels. Exactly. <clears throat> uh, have you ever heard of the sociologist, uh, Fred Davis? uh it sounds familiar he's he wrote a book um i just i skimmed it and read some summaries and and some synapses of it and uh the book is called yearning for yesterday and it's it's kind of the psychology or sociology of of nostalgia and uh there's a couple of points that he makes in it that i thought was pretty pretty um uh pretty good uh so first understanding nostalgia is is it seems to emerge during times of transition or upheaval or change in our lives. We become more nostalgic uh, because we're reflecting or longing for how things used to be. Uh, so if, if there's trouble in our country, if there's even trouble in our personal lives, we start to become nostalgic, nostalgic mm-hmm. of when maybe things were simpler, uh, things were happier, mm-hmm. things were better, or you just didn't know you were dumber, which sometimes we're nostalgic mm-hmm. to be a little bit dumber. I wish I didn't know these not, things. Not dumb. Um, ignorant. Ignorant, yeah. yeah. Or innocent. Yeah. Ignorant's not necessarily a bad word. We just use it very <laughs> terribly. Also, Trina liked to let, let us know that she can sometimes smell, uh, can smell music. Like salt water or weed. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. That's hilarious. I'd like to know more about that. Not right now. Um, it also, uh, it helps us, it, makes us think of more stability stable times so when we when we become nostalgic for things sometimes it's because we're looking for more stability than what we have currently like it feels safe yeah yeah and it connects us to a past and and oftentimes we also romance our past oh yeah we leave out the bad stuff yeah our brains do that it's a coping mechanism and all we remember is the good but when you start really thinking back on it like i know helen i talk about this a lot with our conversations and the way that I was brought up and I wasn't brought up in a, in a terrible way by any means, but um, the way that I phrase things or react to it is very, it's all from the positive view. 
um, and leaves out the negatives because it just feels better to do that. Yeah. 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 Uh, nostalgia can also, it sways our emotions and kind of shapes us too. Um, as we reflect on um, our past. So it's like uh, that great line that kind of always tears me up. And it's a cliche line in the office where Angie Bernard says, I wish, you know, it's the good, you know, it's the good times when it's the good times. Like, I I wish we knew that at the time. And and recently I was talking to a German neighbor, Max, and, you know, uh, as frustrating as life can be even currently, yeah, thought came to me, and then I think I might even said it to him. It's like we we have to remember that this is the good times. It could be worse, so mm-hmm. we need to enjoy right now <laughs> because mm-hmm. it, it could get worse um, or be worse. And so this could be the good times. And if we, I think if we think daily like this could be the good times, um, so I have to make the most of my time. I think I think we'll have better future outcomes or can have better future outcomes. Um, socially nostalgia manifests itself, of course, in pop culture and ads and stuff like that. So like, uh, anytime Burger King or McDonald's brings back a sandwich or their ads look like an ad from the seventies or Mm eighties, you know, it makes us want to go out and buy more because, you know, yeah, I remember that. And that nostalgia is so powerful. It'll drive us to open up our wallets for things that Mm -hmm. used to be like, that's why the, that's why the, uh, McRib does well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like if Coleman came out again with that green cooler, mm-hmm. uh, but in a more so, modern way, but it looked the same, I, I bet yes. you people would buy it. Oh, they totally would. Yeah. So I want to. I want to. I don't know if you can. You read that. Uh, you don't know how good you something is until it. Read it for me. You don't know how good a moment is until it becomes a memory. Yeah. That's that's, that's the office very quote. Good. That's very good. That's the office quote. I wrote it down when I was streaming the office. I was sitting here by myself and I was like, I was trying to like be more mindful yeah, and like pay attention to the moments in my life and not just pass them by and like really focus on how good things are sometimes. Um, but that's, I, yeah, it was like, that was one of those moments that hit that quote was like, you're right. Like pay more attention to the now because you might be missing something really great. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to sort through all my posts and I took all sorts. The other one that I wrote down near that was um, there's something worse than being sad and that's being sad and alone. And then I just started bawling. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that's true alone. too. That's very true too. <laughs> that's a very similar, not the same day, but they were very close together. Yeah. Uh, nostalgia. When I was, uh, when I'm thinking about socially as well, uh, remakes of movies, which I hate. Mm. Um you know, we, we, we remake movies or, you know, try to like, um, God, what was the, what was not the girl ghostbusters. I didn't like that one. Um, not because girls, but because I really thought it was bad, but I also thought ghostbusters two was really bad. Uh, but the ghostbusters, yeah. the last ghostbusters movie with Paul Rudd. Yeah, that was good. I but thought it, it was good. Like- it wasn't, they weren't trying to recreate the original. It was an extension. No, but there was lots of nostalgia to it. There there was, but I didn't like it because the nostalgia, like it was a standalone good movie. Yes. Yeah. But sometimes that that's cool too, because then you get to see characters that you remember and they're, yeah. they're still in it. And so you're kind of like, Oh, and it's kind of a surprise. Mm-hmm. I like it. It is funny. Things, you bring so. that up though. Like, the kid that's in that is also in Stranger Things. And one of the things people loved about Stranger Things is how well they did the, yes, the, the times. Yep. Like they, they just nailed it. And so like, like us who grew up with that, we're like that. Yep. Nailed it. Yeah. It Roller feels like you were there. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all of that. The, the malls. Remember how big a mall was? Malls. Everyone yep. met at the malls. It was the gathering it's place. Deep. It was the town center. Yeah, it was. It's not anymore. It's just, they're desolate. No. They're depressing. <laughs> they are depressing. Uh, nostalgia bands us together as a sense of collective identity. Like you just yep. said, all of us watch Stranger Things. We talk about it. We have a shared thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, so our memories, our traditions, our cultural references, um, this can bring us comfort as we remember. Um, so even this right here, you know, years from now, um, you and I are going to talk about the podcast um, that we once did. Hopefully we might still be doing it. And that'll be nostalgic for us. How would, cool that if was. If we're still doing it and we're killing it, we'll be like, you remember that time when we had like two listeners? Yeah. Yep. Thanks, Trina and Tim. Yep. The faithful few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that'll, those will, that'll be the day. Yep. Uh, and then he, he explains finally the pitfalls of nostalgia is 
it happens when we idealize or become too consumed about the past that we're never open to things that are going into the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, we want to hold back so much, you know, uh, some people call this like a Peter Pan syndrome, kids that don't want to grow up adults that don't want to grow up. They don't want to live as an adult. They don't want to, um, they don't want to move forward in life. Um, nostalgia Mm -hmm. can do that to us as well. So we have to be careful with it, but it, I never understood uh, until I actually sat down recently and just thought about it uh, how powerful an emotion nostalgia is. Yeah, for sure. And then when I think about like, um, you know, elections and politics in this country, um, you know, make America great again, you know, and Ronald Reagan and, you know, all of these images of don't you remember when America was great Let's make it great again. And it is funny. Like you pointed out and like, I don't want to rip on the mega folks. Uh, That's not what this is about, but it's like, explain to me what that actually means. Because on the surface, it feels good. Like, I think we naturally think of the better times that were in the past. It's like the people who dwell on their high school football career or, (laughs) you know, like whatever, like it was easier and like, yeah, (laughs) exactly. And you're like, you're just thinking about those times constantly because it seemed better because you forgot all that other bad stuff around it. Yeah. But it's like, you really dig into that statement, like make America great again. And you're like, well, when, what do you be specific? Yeah. What are you referring to? Yeah. Do you mean like the 1700s when we were enslaving Africans and having just like, that was just a terrible time. Uh, or do you mean the fifties when we still didn't let, people vote and we were hanging people and lynching people and people weren't being treated well. Like our human rights abuses were atrocious and have been for a very long time. Like explain to me when it was what, what you want to go back to. Well, what is that version? I think, I think if if I take a crack at it, I think it would mean the, the lie that we were sold so that we were living in a dream rather than the reality that we're, we're living in currently. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think you nailed it. It's like, you've been told about the American dream. That's what people want to go to, but it really is a dream. It's not a reality. Yeah. Yeah. It's that white picket fence, a small house on a safe street in a suburb with a two car garage. Yeah. But like, that's not the reality for most people. So like, explain to me what, what that again is. And why, why do we want to go back to that when we have so much potential to do better now? And that's just it. We have potential to do better. Well, and I, and I think he was, I think the reason the, why, why Trump was great at that um, and that that really resonated with people is because they feel like things are slipping away from them that, uh, that they liked better than what progress looks like now. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I honestly, like, I think a lot of it is just, fear of the unknown in a sense like i know right now and i feel safe right now and that's what i want to like i want status quo Mm -hmm. change is scary yeah especially when it makes me feel you know like like there's a lot of like a lot of white men have this this concern that like if everybody else has the same like if everyone else has the same benefits and rights and privileges i do then i'm no longer special do you think white men really think that way I think some do. Oh, I ter- I, I really it. don't. Like, especially working in like the corporate world where they're like trying to put everybody on the same page. Um, there is this, I think, this subconscious part where you're like, "Well, like, how am I going to get ahead if everybody else, if I don't have an advantage over everybody else?" And you don't really think about it until other people start having the same privileges yeah. you do. Could it also like, be just that they? they are fearful that someone else won't have to work as hard as them. Well, yes, that's, well, that's, that's the perception or that's on the surface what is true, but the reality of the way it's mostly done is like, we're not picking and choosing based on whether you're a minority or a woman, if it's truly merit-based, it shouldn't matter. Yeah. And so the fear is like, I've always been able to kind of skate. Like you don't, I don't think people recognize it this way, but like, as I've kind of gone through this, process and sort of worked in corporate jobs like i get it i do have an advantage there is some privilege there uh that i'm losing but it doesn't mean that it just means i have to do as good as everybody else it doesn't mean i have to do more than anybody else but up until now like there is real science behind 
men applying for jobs that they're not qualified for and women not being willing to apply for those same jobs that are more qualified for them than men are. Yeah. And, th and that comes from a spot of privilege where you're like, well, yeah, I just kind of can do that and I deserve to do that. So I don't know. It's complicated. Well, I'm not I think it's across the board. No, no, I understand. And it's, and it's not the rule. It's probably a lot more exceptions than it is rule. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like um, beautiful people also get to skate and have a leg up because they look I, good. I, yeah. I, yeah. Well, there's, there's a psychology that. to that as well. There certainly is. Yeah. And so, so I mean, what, not to diminish that at all, by any means. But so. there's a lot of, a lot of the processes that are going through a lot of um, businesses now are designed to eliminate all of that. Like the, the, uh, the implicit bias that we have, that we naturally have, they're trying to eliminate that from the hiring and, uh, from the hiring process by like eliminating any identifying information and not just like, like physical information or gender or age, but also like where you went to college because, you know, like if I went to a college and somebody else went to that same college, I'm going to have bias towards that person because I went there and I'm great. So they must be great too. Yeah. So you're like trying to eliminate all that bias and it's tricky. There's a balance. And sometimes I think we take it too far. Yeah. Uh, but I, I appreciate what is trying to be done. Yep. Yep. No, but I, I like privilege. It feels nice. <laughs> I just want everyone to have the same amount of freedom. Yes. And, and I agree. That has a lot to do with realizing nothing's safe. Uh, and so you have to, you have to protect yourself and not think that other people are going to protect you. And I think that illusion um, of of safety. Uh, once it's gone, it's scary, but it's also very liberating. Are we about to talk about guns? No. <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about guns. Uh, I think everyone should have a gun. That's what I think. That's what we need is more guns. Yeah, I think we need more guns. The uh, uh, All the science proves that out. If we had more guns, we'd have more deaths. I, I would love for black people to have more guns. I would love for just people to have more guns. And I don't mean that sarcastically. So why? I mean, what? Point I think me they, to the think statistics that say more guns make us safer. Well, I'm not going to shoot someone that has a gun. We already have more guns than anyone else in the world. And, yeah. And we also have more gun murders than anyone else. It's the leading cause of teenage death now. Firearms. Oh, I know. I know. But those kids didn't that, buy guns. How is, those are just careless parents. Somebody bought those guns. Yeah, careless oh, so, parents. Okay. So more guns to more careless parents will equal safer teens. Yes. Yep. Well, they that's, all had guns. The they just they would shoot the kids that have the guns. They would shoot each other. Yeah. And then we'd have more deaths. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what the elites want. I mean, if we're going to be honest, this is why you don't want to have a gun conversation. The elites want us to not have guns. Yeah, they want a population of only five hundred million. You know, they don't like how overpopulated we. <clears throat> okay yeah they don't they don't like all the people on here they want us dead uh yeah so but that's why we no, don't talk about if, guns but if there's but if there's no plebs then how are they going to make their millions oh they don't want plebs they want uh they want they want power they want power more than they want money they don't want money they don't want money they want power i want money <laughs> i want Nostalgia. money Lots and lots, lots of and money. Lots of money. <laughs> I don't want the pie <laughs> oh in God. the sky. That's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think that was it. I think the last thing I had on here was just uh, the quote from uh, George uh, uh, Santayana, which is those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Or as this whole thing says, is that progress far from consisting in change depends on retentiveness. So when an experience is not retained, then among the savages, and what he means by savages is among people who don't pay attention to the past, uh, infancy is perpetual. So you'll always be an infant uh, and you'll never progress unless you understand the past or remember the past. Mm. And, and this is why we make the same mistakes. This is why we... Um, you think Maoism's dead? Maoism's in America. You think, um, you know, communist is dead? No, it's it's actually alive in America. So those things, those ideologies, they look different because they have a, an American lipstick on them. 
Um, they're, but they're often the same things and we don't remember. So if you ask someone about the great leap forward, they couldn't really tell you about the great leap forward. They don't understand it. Therefore, when it's happening, uh, they don't, um, I mean, they don't understand what happened during the great leap forward. Then, um, they're, they're doomed to honestly repeat it because it's going to happen to them without them knowing. And we're not safe from those things. People forget. And then we repeat them. You know, as, I think as World War II vets die off, I, I don't know how many are left. Is there only like two left? Yeah, there's not many left. Yeah. I mean, as, as there's no one left to tell the story, the, the history can change mm-hmm. um, by those that are writing it currently if they didn't like how it was before. And then we're, we end up with a different history and then we repeat those mistakes that we had made in the past. So, um, yeah. So I think nostalgia has, serves many purposes. Yeah. That I mean, it's a good point you make. I think one of the failures of our education system, which is all another conversation, is we spend too much time talking about facts of events and not lessons from those events. Yeah. Like, let's learn the lessons of Vietnam and World War One and World War II or the Civil War. We don't necessarily need to remember dates, yeah. but like what came out of it, what was the atrocities, what was good, what was bad. Or what led to them. Yeah, what led to them. Yeah. I think those like things we, are we don't we don't spend enough time on those, but but we definitely need to know the exact date of D Day. Yeah, which yeah. is like, yeah, we should remember that day, but like, what is a what is a kid going to do with that? Yep. But if, knowing that date doesn't doesn't actually cause any sort of like decision making. It's a fact, yeah, but and that's great. We should know. But if a history teacher read, you know, Mao Zedong's like speech right before uh, the day before the Great Leap Forward, the revolution happened. Um, they would hear a sales pitch and then they would see leading up to that sales pitch the next day, um, the entire economy of China was destroyed. And over the years, 55 million people died of either starvation or murder or concentration camps. Um, if they didn't want to go along with the new speak and the, and the, the unity, um, the diet, the unity dialectic of, of Maoism, which was if, if you want to be unified, that's great, but you have to be unified under what we say is unified. Uh, if you don't, then there's struggle sessions, which sounds very familiar to a lot of CRT corporate training that goes on these days, where if you don't believe that you're a racist, then they'll do a struggle session until you admit you're a racist, and then you can be unified to get reunified with the group again. That's not what critical race theory teaches. Uh, critical race theory is very Marxist, and they do they do struggle sessions within CRT. If you remember early on in 2018 and 2019, when CRT was being introduced into corporate worlds, they were struggle sessions that were happening. But it's not. I work in corporate worlds, and we don't talk about that at all. Well, then Wayfair is an exception. I worked at Amazon, too, and I worked at... They didn't do DEI. They don't do DEI. They don't do CRT. Well, we do diversity and inclusion, yeah, but it has nothing to do with with critical race theory. Critical race theory is a theory that racist influence or racist things are built into our laws which is true okay except it's red line it's based off of marxist critical theory instead of class it's race it's also a theory that's taught in colleges not taught in corporate america it's talked about sometimes yeah but it's not like indoctrinated into people like groups want you to think that's not it's not even happening. It's not taught in elementary schools. It's not. It's like a college level course. Okay. It's talking about racist things that are built into our government systems. There are examples of this stuff happening in classrooms for sure. Examples. I, yes. I know. I know that they say that it's not being, but there are parents yeah, are showing like, things that are but that's being also sent like home the guy with who kids. Says, I don't wear seatbelts because that one guy drowned because he was wearing a seatbelt. Sure, it happens, but that's not. That doesn't mean it happens all the time. Or like, I got COVID and I didn't die, so COVID's not a big deal. Well, millions of other people died and are still dying. Just because you didn't die doesn't mean it's not a big deal. Yeah, but if you don't want it taught in a school, then it shouldn't be taught in a school. I mean, that's kind of the bottom line. I think it's different than a disease that you don't have control so over. So do, do you get to choose what other kids get taught? What other parents get to, like, who gets to choose? Well, do you think the government should choose or do you think the parents should have a say? Well, if we're paying into government-funded education, yeah, I don't but think you're, but as a parent, you're trusting that the government is yeah. 
is I don't think another parent gets to choose what my kid learns. No, and I think that's why a lot of people are pulling their kids out of public schools. Which is fine. That's absolutely right. Oh, I yeah, I I encourage everybody to take your kids out of public schools. Go homeschool right. them or find another way of educating your kids. Well, that's a, that's a whole another conversation. Well, I don't think that's the government right. should be teaching my kids anything. So I'm I'm very kind of staunch on that. And I'm glad I didn't take my kids to public schools. I think that's I think that was one of the better things that I chose. I find the government as a whole an enemy. So I wouldn't want the enemy to indoctrinate my kids with their values. Well, they're, they're certainly not my favorite, but I also came out of the public system as did my wife. And I think we're pretty great. I think it's different today than it was then. So yeah, maybe, yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they gave Tate an easy pass and sent him on his way. So they gave me an easy pass too. And they shouldn't have, but they did. Yeah. And I benefited from it, but looking back, I don't think it helped me. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Well, we just hit a buck six, buck six, buck six. So this was, I think, a very uh, great live uh, opportunity for us. I hope um, it turned out well for Trina and the gang. And uh, oh, Trina, Trina had to take Valentine to cry. Yeah, she had to go. So it's just you and me in the chat. That's okay. Um, yeah. Well, Helen's sitting behind me. Yeah. Looks like she's eating. You're gonna have to go yeah. eat with her now. Dinner's ready. Okay. Well, that's good timing. That's perfect it timing. It is good timing. Okay. Well, um, let's see. I'm going to put on our music and put on our music. Um, <laughs> just, just, just a heads up. Um, I primed the fuck. It's ready to go. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it's pumped and primed. Yeah. Uh-huh. I lubed it up. <laughs> Well, folks, again, we want uh, your feedback more than anything else. Uh, We are a value for value podcast. We're very thankful for all the people that give input for helping us uh, produce this show to make it a better show. Um, And so, again, we want your feedback and uh, hopefully we'll be able to broaden our audience as uh we continue to go live and let mm-hmm. people know um why we're going live and uh, when we're going live and now since it doesn't sound like such a crappy thing you can tell all those people that were supposed to listen to it last time on live and when <laughs> they went horribly horribly wrong they were so excited yeah they were excited well we can get them excited again and uh i guess until next time this is episode 61 of beer bourbon and balderdash i love you johnny Love you, Wes. Have a good night. Fuck. That's for <laughs> Trina. That's for you. Hold on, hold on. This one goes out to Trina. Fuck. <laughs> I hope she likes that. She says she did. Nice. Okay. Do it one good more time. Do I have to? Yep. Fuck. <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night.